All right. Well, for most of you, for most of us, I know Stephen Ros Lazar would need no introduction at all. We know them. They're really part of our family. But just in case you don't know, Stephen Ros are missionaries that we sent out some years ago. They come back most years, pretty much every year. Every year they've been back since we sent them off. What you may not know is that this year is their 20th year, either in the midst of or coming to a conclusion. 20 years. And in a day and an age where if you do anything for two minutes, people say, what's your secret? 20 years is a milestone that is worth celebrating. So would you mind standing up? Stand on your chairs if you need to. But can we celebrate not just Stephen Ross, but their faithfulness for 20 years of serving the Lord, and will they get them up to speak? Come on, come on, come and stand up here. Turn around, turn around. And can we just pray for you while you remain standing? Is that okay? Could we get just whoever's available, board, pastors, elders, could you come and just stay around and let's lay hands on this couple? What better way to give thanks for 20 years than just by bringing them before the Lord? Would you join us in prayer as well? Sorry, come on in. I'll get out of the way. There you go. Gather around them. Father, we thank you for this incredible couple. 20 years. What a picture of faithful serving through the storms, through the seasons, through the highs and through the lows. And Lord, we celebrate not only them as people, but your goodness through them. The many, many lives that have been touched, the children in orphanages brought off the street, education, all those basic needs that they have provided for who knows how many kids over the years. Lord, we thank you for their faithful service. We thank you for their long-suffering. We thank you for their fruitful labor. And I pray that more and more they would begin to see the harvest that has come from the years of them faithfully sowing seed. We thank you for them. We celebrate with them 20 years, and we pray that the best would be yet to come. Fill them afresh, recharge them, refire them, even this morning, fresh fire, fresh hunger for you, stepping in faith into all that you have for them, we pray at this time in this season, whatever that might look like. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You can grab a seat. Thank you, Andrew. That was uh, very kind. Whoa. Thank you for your uh, welcome. And uh, it's always a huge joy and pleasure for us to come home. And I say that. Um, I think my Christmas newsletter this year said, what a privilege it is to have two homes. And uh, we feel so at home when we come to Australia uh, to uh, see family, to see friends, to, to visit uh, our church. And yet we return home in a few weeks' time to our second home, where there are children and uh, friends waiting for us who love us and care for us. And we work in an environment where we care for those who, who don't have family. They live with us because they're orphaned or they're sick or they've come from a vulnerable situation. And that's why they live with us. And yet we're so enriched because 
we have two families who love us and care for us. And so um, to come here this morning and to share with our Australian family, our church family, it always brings back uh, huge memories of our time going out. I think just before we went out to the mission field, I think it was um, back then it was Alison Thompson's 16th birthday party, I remember. <laughs> I remember ever seeing her 16th birthday party and here we are, 20-something years later. And uh, as I stand here on this pulpit and I look at the cross behind, I remember uh, in the very early years of us being in Mozambique, Heiner uh, visiting, and he built for us in, uh, in Mozambique a pulpit and an old rugged cross made out of old wood, that local wood in Mozambique, and it still stands uh, at the front of our church. And I look around and see people who've visited and people who've uh, prayed for us and and supported us, uh, we, we want to say thank you. We don't take it for granted that for 20 years as a church you've supported us. I'm always careful when I say this because maybe at the next board meeting they'll change their mind, but <laughs> I've never met a mission uh, a missionary, and we know lots of them, where a church for 20 years has faithfully, generously supported them. Every single month. Now, again, I'm, I'm a mathematician, or used to be. Uh, it's a lot of money that you've invested in our lives. It's a lot of prayer. It's a lot of people who've visited and given. But we want to say it's worth it because it's for the kingdom. And you're investing in, in children and in... Um, opportunities uh, for people that, that, that don't have the same things that we have in Australia. That there's not a right to education or a, a right to simple health care or a right to the love of a family in, 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 in many situations in Mozambique. And you give us the opportunity to serve them. And so we're blessed to, to serve there representing you and we couldn't do it uh, without you. And it's no small thing. When I contact uh, the leadership of the church each year and say we're coming, they always open the pulpit for us to share. And that also is not a small thing. You have visiting speakers and you have pastors and leaders here that, that more than uh, aptly share the word of God every Sunday. But generously you open the pulpit for us to share what God is doing in our lives. And that's our story every year. I'm not really a preacher, I'm not really a teacher in, in terms of uh, Bible, but we love to share what God is doing in our lives. The Bible says, doesn't it, in Revelation, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb because of what Jesus did on the cross and by the word of our testimony. And all of us have a testimony, all of us have a story of what God is doing in our lives. You may not get an opportunity to share from the front of church, but we do and we're pleased and blessed to share our little story. It was wonderful this year that Peter and Judy were able to come out. It's been a few years since they've been able to do that. They came in, in the middle of the year when the weather was <coughs> better and it was wonderful to have them there sharing at a, at a large conference and uh, again to refresh the memories of their visits uh, with, with teams in the early 2000s. 
And we had a wonderful time with them. We hope that they'll again visit us and maybe bring others with them. I encourage you to go on a missions trip somewhere. It doesn't have to be to Mozambique. It could be to Thailand. It could be to Cambodia. It could be to Central Australia. It could be somewhere else in New South Wales. I know you were, you were doing trips to Burke. Go and see the way that many other people live because they're hungry for the Word of God. They're hungry for life and we carry that. I thought on this trip, you know, I wanted to ask a question. How many of you have been given a gift in the last years that maybe it was a shirt or a perfume or something and it didn't quite fit? You know, when you think, what am I going to do with that gift? And then you give it on to somebody else. How many people have done that? Be honest. You've passed the gift on. Okay, there's four or five honest people. I promised I wasn't going to talk about Peter's shirt today, but if you notice, Peter, he said not to mention it. But I thought, what, what can we buy Andrew, the pastor of the church, as a gift? He's got everything. Perfect wife, children, a beautiful home, a dog, a station. He's got almost everything. Wonderful church. So I got given a gift at Christmas and it just didn't fit. <laughs> I'm being honest. So I'm going to pass this on to Andrew. Now I want to see. Every time that Peter wears his shirt that he got in Mozambique, Andrew's going to call you and you can wear it. Wow. He's already married all you girls. Look at that. International Women's Day this week. You know, in Mozambique, or certainly in my house, every day is International <laughs> Women's Day. So I'm going to let Roz have the first stab at the microphone and then I'll have the five minutes that's left at the end. Good morning. Like Steve said, it's always wonderful to come home and see faces and kids that were little who are now adults and have, the, have their own children. And I just want to reiterate and say thank you as a church that you've supported us, uh, not just financially but in prayers and in friendship and communication for so many years. It really has enabled us to go the long haul out there. As many of you know, we packed our ba bags many years ago and had enough faith and finances for 12 months. So something, <laughs> something kind of went wrong there. We're still out there and um, we're living in two countries at, at one time. Our feet are in Mozambique and in Australia. And so it's challenging but it's also very rewarding. I just wanted to um, share a little quote from Mother Teresa, who's my hero, uh, just to kind of set the scene for where we are at and what we're doing at the moment. So she says that we think sometimes that poverty is only being hungry, naked or homeless, but the poverty of being unwanted, unloved and uncared for is the greatest of poverty. And that is not just in Mozambique. If people are unwanted in their homes, in their community, it's a great poverty. We all have a need to belong. And um, we've been privileged to 
have particularly just 10 children who have been very close to us over the years um, who were unwanted by their families. Many of them now, in fact, all except one, have all gone out into our youth projects and various um, extended families and they're grown up, they've started their own families. Uh, we have one little person left in our dormitory now, which is Ernesto, who came to us when he was six weeks old and he will turn 19 in June. And um, he doesn't have a family unit that he can fit easily into, but we've given him love and a sense of belonging for many years and he's probably the reason that we just can't quite get ourselves back to Australia. <laughs> but it's always delightful to see him growing up into a young man and, and remember him as a baby and a, quite a sick little baby. So for all of us, we have that task and it was really precious to see the dedication today, you know, of children that are going to grow up in families where they're loved and they're cared for and it's just really special to see, um, you know, all of you younger parents bringing up your kids and the grandparents, you know, encompassing children and supporting them with love. I, just, I don't know, is Jolene and Jenna... In here or are they out the back somewhere with their little... Oh, hello. I just want to particularly give a, a big hurrah to Jolene and Jenna. Um, I've known Jenna particularly since she was very little, um, very, very little. <laughs> uh, she grew up without my own children. And um, we, I know that all of us have challenges in our lives. None of us are exempt, but I think I want to give a big hurrah to them because they're... Um, walking their challenge with such peace and grace and joy. And um, we were with them yesterday, Jolie, and um, helped me, <laughs> help me get the video that I'm going to present up and running without too much breakdown, any breakdown. He made it look really easy. And so I just wanted to really um, encourage them and just say what a great job you guys are doing of parenting. And um, I just would like, if you could indulge me, just to give them just some... A really precious example of giving children a place of belonging and loved. And, I mean, that's what we're all doing is giving people and children and older folk and younger folk a place of belonging and a place where they feel loved and where they don't have the poverty of their soul and their heart. Well done, Jolene and Jenna. I just wanted to share a little bit. Um, in 20 years, the focus of our centre has changed quite significantly. We went out um, really to serve and love a community. We didn't know what we were doing at all. We just make it, we're still making it up as we go along. <laughs> but some things change. Um, we've changed from really being called an orphanage to being more of a crisis centre. And our aim is to bring children in. So we try to bring children who um, have complex social uh, issues in their, in their families. They're unable for whatever number of reasons to live with their families. Bring them in. If they have health issues or malnutrition, we try, we do. Um, bring them up to speed. Then if their families are needing empowering and equipping for children to go back, we might build a house for them. A very cheap little house, but it's huge. It's like being given your first home. 
and then we can put the children back into whatever family there is, whether it's extended family or whether their um, older sisters are now grown up enough to have kids back with them. Maybe grandmas, um, you know, the children are a little bit older so that grandma can cope with them. You know, five children under five for grandma might be a little bit hard. <laughs> but when, if they're school age, it's much easier. So we really have a revolving door in our centre and um, probably only about 25% of children are unable to go back to family. And so the, we have a youth project where they go after they're 18 and they try and make their way in the community. So we've really changed the face of what we're doing and um, we're doing it quite well, actually. <laughs> um, so we have a lot of kids come in and go out. Um, the children that stay do have a place of being loved and cared for. We've reduced drastically the numbers. We're still using dormitories to house children, but we've reduced the numbers so that we don't have any more than 24. When we first went there, some of our dormitories were as large as 95. So we're down to 24 in each dormitory, trying to give quality care and attention to children. And education is a basis, a huge basis of what we do. We've become very fluid. Um, about 10 or 11 years ago, I had a vision to open up a nursery because we had a lot of little children, little, little babies coming in and they needed special care. Um, that has been up and running for 10 years, but in the last two years, we just found there wasn't the need for, for care for little babies. I think they're being adopted much quickly out of the hospitals and um, there's a much more um, community base for them to be cared for. So we actually closed the nursery this year after giving it two years to see how it went, but it consistently wasn't full and we felt that it was time to just go with the needs of the community and to close that nursery. Um, it was a purposeful decision that we made and we can see that in the community needs... Um, more spaces for special needs and we have a special needs house but we can't manage more than the, I think we have eight in the special needs house. So although we would love to serve the community in the needs, sometimes our capacity is also restricted. But we're trying to be fluid and to flow with the needs of, of the community and to empower people outside the centre to be able to care and love for children. So that's a little recap of what we've done. Um, the video at the end will show you some of um, the highlights of 2018. And um, I just want to reiterate again and say thank you so much for your support and your love and always welcoming us back into our house here. Thank you. Yeah, it was special this morning to have Letitia um, dedicated because it reminds me that most of our... Our mission, our, most of our call is, is a, a marathon. If you're raising children, um, they're just at the beginning, you know, and, and some of us have children that are 30 or 40 or, or maybe older than that. You're still parents uh, to your children. And in ministry, it's the same thing. We get a lot of people who visit us and they, and they want to see the miracles. And we all want to see the the deaf hear and the blind see and the dead be raised. I want to see that more and more. But you see, when we see the miracle of a little baby like Ernesto, who this church began to pray for in 2000, I remember we gave out fridge magnets, I think it was, with a photo of this little boy who'd been in hospital so many times. 
And for the last 18 and a half years, uh, we've cared for him and loved him and disciplined him and, and you've prayed for him and supported him. And in 2018, he graduated from grade 12. Um, he would love to be a vet. He sat the um, exam to get into veterinary science and didn't uh, get the... There was only a few places he didn't uh, score well enough. And he's just a normal... 18, 19-year-old young man, and I worked really hard to find him a job in a veterinary uh, surgery because he loves animals and he's very good with them. And uh, so we found him a job and that he would be able to work in the vet and study as well. Uh, we found out within a, a few weeks of being here in Australia that he was fired from that job <laughs> because he was late for work slept in and missed work and went somewhere else and they fired him. Now I tell you that because life is normal. Not every child that we raise in Mozambique uh, worships Jesus all day and spends all their time in prayer and is perfect. And they're just normal young people that are just doing the same things that our kids are doing and making some good decisions and some not so good decisions. But we love them through it. And um, he's a bit too old now to love him on the back there. But we, we love them through their, their challenges. And that's the, that's the wonderful thing of raising children in the ways of the Lord. Is that we love them in good times. We love them in difficult times. I want to share a little bit this morning for the next 15 or 20 minutes before Ros's famous video comes up about our lifetime message, you know. You might hear someone like John Arnott, who's one of my heroes, who really influenced our walk in, in the early years of, of, of ministry. Every time John Arnott preaches, he really shares the same message. He might use a different analogy or a, a different example or a different story, but his life passion is the love of the Father, how much God loves us as a dad, how much we're accepted in him. Well, I suppose my or our lifetime message is about serving. You see, we're very careful when we come to share our stories, Mozambique. And maybe for some of you, that will never be a reality. You'll never be able to come and visit us like Peter and Judy did, or you'll never be able to come for four or five years like, like Pam did. You may never be able to do that. But the scripture says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be a servant of all. God's calling us into servanthood. God's calling us to serve him. The only question is, where? Where is he calling you to serve? And I hope in the, by the, at the end of this, I'll give you some really, really practical examples about how right where you are, you can be serving God just as we are. You see, because it's not about Fishwick or, or Maputo or it's not about serving the, the poorest community you can find, but it's about serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, the greatest joy of our life is to be where God wants us to be. That's the greatest joy. And so people say, well... 
you've been there 20 years, when are you coming back? And we, we commit year by year. We've done that 20 times now. And when the Lord says, it's time, then we'll go. And the Lord says, I want you to serve somewhere else, then we will go. Until then, the light's green. We just continue to serve him where he is. And I love when, when people like when Peter and Judy, when it was time for them to hand over the church, they didn't wait till the church was falling apart or till nobody liked them anymore or, or anything like that. It was when God said, your time to pastor the church is over. I'm now calling you to serve here. And they stepped out of it. But you see, that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to continue to serve him wherever he calls us to be. I don't know if, if you're like me, I don't know if you have heroes. People who may, may not even be Christians, but people who you really honour and people you love because of something. I mean, I loved Greg Norman when I was a young man. Some of you probably don't even know who Greg Norman is. He was, he's about, about my age, he was a blonde head. I used to be blonde. No, I didn't. You know, great golfer. I just loved his athleticism. I loved golf. I just loved what he could do. I thought, wow, I'd like to be like Greg Norman. And of course, share the gospel at the same time. But, you know, it's a good thing that we have heroes, that we have people who we look up to, people who we want to be like. Does anyone have a hero that they can shout out? William and Catherine Booth, heroes of the faith. Heidi Baker, Hudson Taylor, Peter Thompson, Jesus, Nelson Mandela, John Wesley, Jim Hatton, Catherine Coleman. They're all human beings with weaknesses, with faults, with problems, but they have something that, that, that draws us to them. Maybe it's their athleticism, like Greg Norman, or maybe it's their humility, or maybe it's the, the way they serve the poor. Many people like us were attracted to Iris Ministries because of people like Heidi Baker, because of the life that they leave, that they live. And it's okay to have heroes as long as we recognise that those people, except for Jesus, are not perfect. And maybe you look in the Bible and you aspire to be like uh, David or Joseph or Paul. But you see, Jesus, of course, is our model. Jesus, of course, is our hero. But you see, it's the traits that we see in others that often attract us. When we first came to Canberra in 1995, I think it was, what attracted us to this church was their passion for God. At that time, we were in the, in the library in, in Woden. Was their passion for God, their desire to follow the Holy Spirit's call, and their heart to serve others. Because you see, there are a lot of um, churches, there are a lot of ministries that are perhaps doing amazing evangelism, 
They're perhaps touching lots of lives, which is important. There are other groups that are, that are serving the poor. But you see, I believe God is looking for churches that do both. Whose call is to fall more and more in love with Jesus. To keep the freshness of the Holy Spirit in their services, in their lives, in the character of the church. But at the same time, be always looking to serve others. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. It was just uh, two or three weeks ago we saw the 25-year anniversary film of Schindler's List. You know, and, and it was a, an amazing story of, of, a, of a man who, who saved thousands or hundreds of Jews uh, from the gas chambers by just giving them opportunities to work and by, by loving them. And, you know, it made me think of my own heritage. It, it, it made me think again of the Jewish people who missed something. They're still missing something. They missed Jesus. They missed him when he came to the earth. Because they, as they have continued to do over the centuries, they'd been persecuted and, and they were suffering and they were looking for a saviour. They're still looking for the saviour. And they were looking for someone who'd come as a, as a, as a Goliath or as a, as a powerful man to overthrow the, at that time perhaps the Roman Empire or to overthrow those that had persecuted. But God doesn't do things our ways. Jesus came as a, as a baby. Jesus came as a, as a servant. And he said, if you want to be great, in the kingdom, if you, want to be, if you want to do great things, learn to be a servant. And you see, most of us, when we think of it, don't really want to be servants. We're taught that we progress through life so that other people will serve us. That's what we really want. So often the model of a pastor is you work your way up to be at a place where, where, where you're untouchable. Whereas the leader of the church, you, you sit up higher and higher and, and more and more people will serve you. The pastors don't vacuum the floor anymore. You know? Headmasters of schools don't pick, up news, don't pick up papers in the playground because you're a headmaster. You see, and so the worldly model often is when you become great, people will serve you more and more and more. But that's not what Jesus said. And Jesus is really our role model. Jesus is really our hero. Jesus is the one who we really, really want to copy. In Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about some of great men and women, of, or mostly men of faith. It talks about people like Samson and David and Solomon and Joseph. You see, what made someone like Joseph different from the others? Samson, David, Solomon and Joseph, they were all descendants of Abraham. They all had parents who loved God. They all had God's hand of blessing over their lives. They all were given great visions and prophecies of being great. All believed in the power of God. They all had great positions of leadership. 
and they were tempted. But how did Joseph overcome the same temptations that defeated Samson and David and Solomon? The secret is contained in that great commandment, to be truly great, you must become a servant. You see, Samson had the heart of a strong man. David had the heart of a shepherd. Solomon had the heart of a leader. But Joseph had the heart of a servant. You see, the heart of a true servant will always serve his master. You see, to be a servant is a great place of honour. It's something that's worth aspiring to. A servant desires to do great things for those who he serves. You see, it's not wrong to desire greatness if we desire it for the benefit of those who we serve. God gave Joseph a great sense of future greatness, but this desire of, of God, this desire of greatness was blessed by God as Joseph learned to serve others when he was a prisoner. To God, greatness is not measured by how many people serve you but rather on how many you serve. Joseph always maintained an attitude of joy. No matter what happened to Joseph, he had a joyful spirit. So if God calls you to greatness, he calls you to be joyful. How can we develop a servant heart? Desire to accomplish great things for God. Jesus spoke of great things when he told his disciples in John chapter 14. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believeth on me and the works that I shall do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. You see, there is nothing greater also than leading others to salvation and discipling them. Determined to be available. A servant is available to serve. You see, I'm paraphrasing here or going quickly. You see, when Jesus was on the earth, you know, there were more than 6,000 laws. And they tried to fool Jesus and they said to him, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hung on these two commandments. Love God and love each other. You see, the ministry of Jesus and the heart of Iris and the heart of the place that we are is to serve. Let me just share with you a couple of stories before we show the video of just some ways that God has been able to, to, to bless us in the last year. This week, I think it is, marks the 12-month, if you like, anniversary of what was a, the garbage dump collapse. In, uh, actually, I think it was in February, so just over a year ago, in February 2018, one night there was a great rainfall and uh, we, we, we have a ministry on the garbage dump and uh, a whole lot of garbage from the top came down and, and covered uh, dozens of houses. Many, many people lost their lives. 
And immediately our response was to serve. And so the very next day, we were actually in Australia at the time, we gathered all the clothes that we could, the children handed in all the clothes they didn't like, I suppose they kept the ones they did, handed in their clothes and, and we got blankets and we got all the food that we could and we went there to serve. We went there to make a difference to a few people. As the days uh, went by, the government uh, closed off an area of uh, two or three hundred metres around the garbage. And they began to demolish houses because they were dangerous. Our church, which we have a church on the garbage dump, was demolished. But we continued to say, God, what can we do? And so we began to visit these families in the uh, camps with the tent, uh, camps of tents that they put up. We took food. We began to do church services. We thought, what can we do to bless families who've lost loved ones and have lost their houses, have lost their um, future? We were there serving, giving. Someone gave us a donation. We've built very quickly a new church. You might say, why did we build a church? Because in Mozambique, as should be the case in Australia, the church is a gathering place for the community. That's where people go. Most of them go seven nights a week. I don't mean because they've got nothing else to do. But because that's their, that's their community gathering place is the church. So we knew it was important to build a church. And so we've been able to do that. We're helping them build houses. You see, that's a joy to do that because I believe if Jesus had been there, that's exactly, it was on the earth, that's exactly where he would be. We've shared about Ernesto. You'll see up on the video some of our university graduates. We have a doctor who's working in the, as a, in the pediatric area of Nampula Hospital. Many people from this church and others supported him through medical school. A young boy that came with no future, no hope, no opportunity. He's now a doctor wearing a white coat and a stethoscope, as they do. And, uh, you know, we're, we're able to serve him. Augusto, a young boy who, who, who came to us again. He was abandoned by his dad. His mum just was too poor to look after him. He's just graduated as an electrical engineer. Hilda, one of our worship leaders, has graduated from university this last year in economics. We're caring for almost 1,500 children in a quality school, in a school that we're really proud of, that the kids all wear uniforms and that the kids know the privilege of receiving education and they have an opportunity. The young people who live with us, like Ernesto, Ivan, another young man, he's now finishing grade 12, he's working in our carpentry shop, he's living in our youth project. Joanna, Joanina, you'll see her. Again, not a perfect life. She got herself pregnant before marriage, but we didn't give up on her. She's living in one of our houses, she's staying together, we blessed her with her, her boyfriend in a ceremony in church. She's moving ahead in her life. Joanna and Louise, who are brother and sister, their grandma just died yesterday. Louise is living with, his gran living with the grandma. He's also studying and he's learning a trade as a carpenter. Now, they're very simple things. 
So what can we do? What can you do? Well, fall in love with Jesus. Spend time in his presence. Number one. Number two, serve others. Well, how can I do this? I don't have money. I don't have skills. I'm old. Well, you can visit your neighbours. You can help serve at church. You can offer to wash up the dishes. You can help your sister make a bed. You could read the Bible to a person, an older person, in a, in perhaps in a home. You could go out on the streets. You could join the healing rooms. You could give Andrew a hug in his nice new shirt. You could visit your neighbours and cut the grass. You could smile at someone. You could make someone a meal. Go shopping for someone. You could say thank you to someone. You could visit Mozambique. You see, there's opportunities every day to serve Jesus. There are lost and lonely and disenfranchised people in every suburb, in every city, in every nation. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, you and I, because we carry the good news. We need to look for people that we can give it away to. So we would like to pray for some people, if you like, a specific call. But before we do that, we'd love to show you our little uh, DVD. Thanks to Jolene put it together yesterday for us. Thanks so much.
We'd love to um, pray for people this morning along with the prayer team. I'd encourage you to get along to Mark DuPont. Mark DuPont was, uh, in the early years of our ministry in Mozambique, was one who used to, was visited many times and had some amazing words over Roz in my life. And I'd encourage you to get to hear him over the next couple of weeks. But I thought it was significant what um, uh, the word that Andrew had at the beginning of the service about stepping into the things that God has for you. And sometimes that's difficult for us. And uh, maybe there's something that God's asking you to step into that you just need uh, encouragement in this morning. We'd, we'd ask you to come forward and receive prayer for that this morning. So perhaps he's asking you to do something or go somewhere or help someone or, or he's asking you to serve in a particular area, just finding it difficult. And, and you can think of all the reasons why you can't do that. But you see, when God says, it's a good enough reason to do it. And uh, we just want to encourage you this morning in the plans and purposes that God has for you. It's a big world we live in. And you see, the answer is in the name of Jesus. And you and I carry that. Let's pray. I'm going to hand back to Andrew. But we'd love to pray for, for anyone who needs prayer, uh, maybe for sickness, but certainly just in the area of stepping into what God has for you. Maybe it's in work, maybe it's in promotion, maybe it's in relationship, in finances, or maybe it's in ministry. We would just love to pray with you and encourage you to step into that. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you're a generous God. We thank you, Lord, that we live a privileged life. Thank you that we live in a nation where we can shout the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that the church doors here are open for anyone to come in. Thank you, Father, that we have food on the table every day. Thank you for the freedom that we live in this nation. But Father, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you all the days of our life, wherever you call us to be. Father, we pray this morning, as Andrew shared, we pray for courage. We pray for boldness. We pray, Lord, even when we feel uncomfortable, that, Father, we would step into the things that you have for us. In our homes, with our families, with our neighbours, in our workplace, in our schools. But, Father, beyond that, Lord, in areas of ministry, in the church. Because, Father, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, Lord, to a lost nation. So, Father, we declare that this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.